Do we want to talk about why there's this uh, sword on the table? They give out a sword here. Uh, it's not crazy sharp on the edges, but the tip of it is like a needle. So you got to watch out there. You have a couple of these though, right? I got three or four of them. Three or four, you could have like a full-blown sword fight. Molly gets one, Taylor gets one. <laughs> no, 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 no. No ideas, please. The following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. What's up, guys? Welcome to a winning edition from Bristol Night Race of Actions Detrimental. Finally got a dub. Uh, this episode is presented to you guys by our sponsor, Birch Gold Group. Go check them out. Uh, you can text Denny to 989898 if you want to learn a little more. Before we get into the weekend, too, we want to offer our condolences to Sherry Pollock's family. Uh, you know, she has been a huge advocate for cancer survivors and those who are battling cancer for so many years now. And, you know, she's been a staple in our sport and, you know, done a lot of great things for a lot of great causes for, for many, many years. And she, unfortunately lost her battle with ovarian cancer uh, today. So our thoughts and prayers are with her and her family and uh, everyone who's helped support her. Uh, we got a win that we deserved. Um, you know, it was the final race of the first round of eliminations. We'll talk about that a little bit and then some on track, off track stuff. So definitely want to check out some off track stuff first with you guys. Um, you see the list here what do, you, what do you think we should hit first there jared i think it's probably most fitting to talk about bristol dirt going away next year yeah uh you know who knows if this means that the uh, dirt race entirely will go away whether they take it to another place or not uh but it uh sounds like you know definitely the bristol dirt's going away i think that's you know the right thing to do for sure i think that that kind of ran its course and you know, the fans came out hot and heavy the first year, yeah, second year, eh. But, um, but yeah, it's, you know, that's such a great venue um, that you hate to c cover it up for, for dirt. And I'm sure SMI probably sees it too. I mean, there's a cost and expense to loading a bunch of dirt in that place and then cleaning up afterwards, right? So, uh, you know, we've had that happen. So we know that Bristol Dirt will not return next year. We're going to be back on the concrete for two races uh, so me personally, my opinion, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, we got the clash that just got released today, right? Uh, today is Sunday. Uh, we were going to shoot this on Monday, but I was sitting around <laughs> and I texted you. You realize you don't have much going on on Sunday if you're not racing. I know. <laughs> That's I was, what happened. I was sitting there and I was thinking, I'll just take the day off and everything, you know, and by three thirty or four o'clock into the football games, I'm like, let's just get this over with let's, let's just do this and that way i can sleep in tomorrow so thank you guys for showing up for that um so the clash is returning to la uh i like that move too i mean i think that you know it is a long way out there it's it's tough on the race teams uh for sure but i think it's still a cool venue and a cool type of format so yeah i like the idea of staying in la yeah i, I just think that I mean, I would be okay if the clash went away for something else that was yeah, in LA or the, in the LA market. But if we don't have that yet, I I'm okay with sticking with the clash. I don't know what the Me expenses too. are and what that does to teams, but from a, a fan perspective and just you know some a way to build excitement for the season, I think I think it's cool. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know what we're entirely talking about from the team standpoint, why I say it's tough for the teams logistically, we start the season, we go all the way out to LA for this exhibition race. Then the following week, we got to go all the way out to Daytona, the other side of the earth, basically. <laughs> and then the week after that, we go out to the West Coast. So it's just back and forth. Um, so that that part of it's tough. And then from the financial standpoint, the Clash isn't really a heavy-paying uh, event. So all the teams pretty much lose money on it. Um, so, But it's, you know, in the past, it's been good for the sport. Uh, it certainly got better ratings um, and it's first couple times in our previous clash races. So, uh, that's cool. And then we've got, um, Spire. These two kind of go, these hand two go hand. to, yeah, I was going to say they go hand in hand. Uh, Spire buys, uh, BJ McLeod's and Matt Tiff's charter from live fast for $40 million. Um, yeah, I mean, cha-ching, right? 
for BJ McLeod? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely great for BJ. I mean, he's you know he he really wanted to be competitive in the Cup Series, and um, he really enjoyed competing. And uh, I believe this was one of the only teams that had their like own engine program, whatever that might be. Right? It's very very tough to compete. Um, if you don't have a top tier engine program, but, um, but yeah, he, you know, I think he just, this is an opportunity to like, well, how much probably a financial thing of BJ's thinking, uh, this is all speculative, right? It's hard for me to get in his brain and figure out what he's thinking, but you know, how much will I have to invest to really be competitive? It's a single car team. There's no efficiencies I gain cause I am just a one car team. And then what investment will I have to put in my team to be competitive? Or I could just cash out when maybe we're at the height of this, maybe we're not. Um, I think probably made the right choice. Um, it's really it would be really really an uphill battle to um, compete at a high level uh, without you know proper resources, and it was going to be an uphill climb to get those resources. So, um, do you, you know, know what he paid for the charter a couple of years ago? Mm, that's a good question, but I wouldn't think more than a couple million bucks. Yeah, it was yeah, definitely seven digits, right? Oh yes, 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 yeah. yes, uh, for sure. It was it was when charters were just a couple million, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a you know we're we're still gonna have BJ and and live fast around. They're gonna be competing in the Xfinity series, um, so you know that that's a influx of cash now to that program that hopefully they can continue to build on that program as well. So you know BJ's not going anywhere and. Uh, he's a great dude, and you know Matt Tift is uh, you know giving back to the sport through his driving, his owning as well. So happy for them. Trackhouse announced two new signees this week: one earlier in the week, and then one yesterday, Saturday. Yep. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen. Yep. Good job. Right. Good job. <laughs> and uh, Zane Smith. Yeah, this is a this is a great sign for Trackhouse and. Um, I think that this is, uh, you know, Zane is certainly deserving of this opportunity. He's, he's, every time he's had the opportunity to compete in cup, he's done a great job, got great results. Um, this is great forward thinking by Trackhouse and Justin for his team to, you know, look towards the future, right? And, um, you know, if you look at it really quickly, he's got more drivers than that, seats. That's what I was about to ask. Now yeah. you have... I'm guessing four mm -hmm. Cup Series drivers, presumably competing for three seats in yeah. 2025. I think you said a key word there: competing. You know, there's nothing wrong with competition. If you have more drivers than seats, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. You you you, you put pressure on those guys to hey, let's let the best man win, right? So I think, uh, you know, I, I I don't think there's any secret that the SVG thing is more of an experiment than anything. Um, I, I really look forward to SVG running in, you know, multiple series next year and getting to run ovals and learning it. I think he's a great dude and tremendous talent, obviously. Um, but that, that experiments could take some time, you know, it, would he be ready to run cup full-time in ovals in a year? No way. Just, just no way. I mean, these guys are just too good. Um, but you want to see him have a steady progression of it. So if, if Trackhouse can keep under contract for a few years, maybe you see the progression that you like after a year and, or two, and then you move them up to cup if, if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, Zane, I think, is more of a um, a given as far as you know where he thinks he's going to be in 2025. Uh, you know, it sounds like he's going to get kind of leased out. Not leased out. It's kind of a weird word, but you know, kind of farmed out to Spire for next year. Um, with that, Spire has an alliance with with Trackhouse, which is interesting. I thought they had an alliance with Hendrick. So it sounds like Spire's just kind of being this farm AAA team, and that's that's probably downgrading them more than than I should. But it's like they're they're kind of a feeder for these bigger teams. Like I know their pit crews really come from Hendrick, so um, a lot of their Devo guys or development guys, young guys on pit crews that they develop start at Spire. Bam, you know if you perform well enough, you get on a house card at at the uh, on a pit cruise. Um, I don't know that their personnel really runs through Spire, like mechanics or anything like that, engineers. Not that I'm aware of. It doesn't mean it's not 
true, but it's, uh, not that I'm aware of. So um, this is obviously a big move, um, you know, by Spire to invest this uh, in their team. I guess the only question I have would be, you know, is it, did they spend $40 million on a charter or was this part of a deal with the Gamebridge group that allowed them to own a stake in all three charters? So I guess, you know, you don't know, the devil's in the details, but you don't really know, is this, is it, is the headlines right or is there more to this deal than meets the eye? Uh, that's just a question I guess I would have because it certainly affects charter values, right? If it if they just paid 40 for this one charter, yep, which yep. is, you know, BJ's charter's been ranked last for a couple of years now. Um, or is this part of a bigger deal that unless you're in the know or NASCAR or somebody in the financials would know, is this part of a bigger buy-in to Spire from the Gamebridge group? Um, and so... Uh, it'd be interesting to know that for sure, but either way, it's a big investment. Um, you know, the, the, they're working, the Spire group's getting better and better. It's great to see that they're continuing to invest in the sport. And obviously they had a great night last night with Corey LaJoy going, uh, before he crashed, but, um, yeah, they're running better and better for sure. Uh, I don't think there's any secret to, you know, you got Carson Hosevar, uh, probably going in the 77. You're gonna have Zane in the third car. Corey in the uh, in the seven, so they've got some good young talent there that is ready to, you know, when probably Dad wants to call them up. You know, Dad being Trackhouse on one side, Hendrick on the other, like it, they're ready to to make a move. So, for argument's sake, let's pretend that they did purchase this one charter mm-hmm. for forty million. How does that make you feel <laughs> as a fellow owner who's also in the charter market? Ah. Uh. I, I well, first of all, that's speculative. I, that to say I'm in the charter market, um, I feel much better about my investment if if it is true, right? If it is exactly what as advertised, um, you know, with what we paid. If you combine what we paid for the two, it's you know just a few years ago, and then yeah, I like my investment. It's it's turned out well so far, um, but all it really does, you know, it's not worth anything to sell it. So it's still you know, for us, it's still cost a significant amount to compete. And it's still, if you don't have the sponsorship, you, you're not going to compete and you're going to lose money every year. So it's just a matter of, you know, it's good that the franchise value though is worth right. something because, you know, these owners like Rick Hendrick and Joe Gibbs and Roger Penske that, and Richard Childress that have been around for such a long time deserve, you know, getting paid for their commitment to this sport for decades and decades, right? They deserve for their franchise to be worth something, you know, a big number, whatever yeah. that number That's might be. That's kind of what I'm getting at. If, if BJ McLeod's charter is ranked at the bottom and was just purchased for $40 million, what does that mean for the 11 charter, the 5 charter, the 9 well, charter? Well, I think that when it comes to getting sold, right, um, let's use – let's just use uh, – uh, you know, you got the group uh, that purchased into Gibbs, right? More than likely, they purchased into the assets, the the contracts. So they bought into not just the charters. More than likely, they purchased into the whole franchise of Joe Gibbs Racing. Now, a lot of, of that includes, well, how much money worth of, you know, um, contracts do they have with sponsorship and manufacturers and things like that. So they there's a separate evaluation than just for the piece of paper saying you're allowed to compete in this yeah, and have a charter. So, um, you know, it's tough to say. It's tough to say what really uh, the big teams are worth because certainly they have more assets. They have more contracts uh, with with sponsors. And, and certainly the more contracts you have that, you know, uh, of revenue, the more revenue you have, typically the your value of your franchise would go up. Um, at a multiple, uh, you can argue what that multiple might be. So, uh, I think it's good for everyone. Um, certainly, you know, we're still in some trying times when it comes with or negotiations with NASCAR. Um, you know, we're, we're only three months and some change away from like our, our charter agreement running out. Um, 
there work there has got there needs to be some serious work on that like in a hurry um you know to to redo our our charter deal in just 3 months is is <laughs> very um optimistic on on you know on NASCAR's part you know and and what the last thing the teams want is this deal to be rushed we want it to be right and um and beneficial for everyone involved and and I believe that uh you know we can get that done so uh overall that this is a good good sign for for the teams um you know still need to make it at least viable on a year-to-year basis um but certainly it looks like there's some long-term value there do we want to talk about why there's this uh big sword sword on the table i just want to grab this i think travis is going to i I guess that's a coliseum thing is it um did you get one at the clash Mm, no, I, I mean you, I wouldn't I know. I've would never know, won yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I haven't won the one in L.A. I've won the one in Daytona plenty of times, but um, but yeah, they give out a sword here. Uh, it's not crazy sharp on the edges, but the tip of it is like a needle. So you got to watch out there. I, I said afterwards I was going to use it to fend off all the haters. Just you know, guard myself. So, is that going to be like your letter opener at home going forward? <laughs> yeah, Michael Gatella actually at JGR, the the chief uh, competition guy there, was like, "Yeah, you need need to use it to swipe open a champagne bottle." Uh, so I've never done that before. I'll end up cutting my hand, so I'm gonna stay out of that. You, you have a couple of these though, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, not, it, the sword is not new. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, we've got I got three or four of them for sure. I'm not sure if I've ever won the spring race. Three or four, you could have like a full blown sword fight. Molly gets one, Taylor gets one. <laughs> no, 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 no ideas, please. Um, let's, uh, that, that kind of covers the off track stuff. Oh, you know, just to kind of wrap up to, you know, Zane, super happy for him. I know that, you know, he's really accomplished a lot in the trucks and he was really excited about this opportunity. You saw kind of his emotion in, in the, uh, um, in the press conference. Uh, well deserved. You know, obviously shows that you know you're, you continue to excel and and perform well at whatever level you're at. You're going to get opportunities uh, at the higher level. Um, that always hasn't been the case, but it's looking like it's it's starting to get a little better. So uh, that's great. And um, let's kind of talk about the race now, the fun stuff. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Download the app now and use code DENNY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with code DENNY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For state-specific disclaimers, check the show notes. 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See DraftKings.com backslash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. See DKNG.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gambling resources the crown is yours hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Where should we start with? You want to start with um, your race, or should we talk well, about the overall race? And yeah, the let's just kind of talk about the overall race. Um, you know, I thought that it's kind of what we expected with Bristol. I know there was a kind of a split when you there was kind of a driver text overnight. Should we respray? Should we not? Um, I thought that while the inside lane was very, very dominant for the first probably certainly 100 laps, it wore off quite a bit. And I thought it, by the end of the race, the top and the bottom were the, were the same. 
Um, now, if you were good, if your balance was very good, you could, you know, like I thought ours was, you could, I, I ran the same times. It didn't matter whether it was the top or the bottom. My car ran the same exact time. Like it just, that's what really allowed me to get through the traffic as good as we did. Now, others, if your car didn't handle as good, you would be pinned to the top or the bottom. Most people top if your car is not handling great on the bottom. So uh, I thought that the the decision to spray overnight was a good one because you just don't, I just don't know that we wanted a end of the race, everyone running the top of the racetrack. Uh, I just didn't know that that was going to be great. But I thought at the end, certainly the last 200 laps, 250, the inside and the outside lane was very equal on speed. Uh, but really what you saw was you know, guys that could get out front could control the race. And, you know, when they caught lap traffic that was running the same lane that they were, they definitely were getting held up. And if you couldn't maneuver your car, like the people would start catching you really, really quick. I know me and Seabell pulled away from uh, third, which was, I think, McDowell at the time. Really, really quickly early in the race, we had about three and a half seconds. The minute we caught the back of the pack, I mean, they were right on our bumper. So it was it was nervous moments trying to move up the track and uh, dealing with lap cars. But I thought that it was a pretty racy uh, race. You know, I looked at the Jeff Gluck poll. Looks like this thing is going to be around the 60s or so. Low, much lower than you anticipated. It was. I, I mentioned on the teardown last night that I thought it'd be... In retrospect, after thinking about it more, I said, you know, kind of a mid-70s. But, you know, you've got to take into account. He's like, you know, well, take off a few points. You won, so you're going to have to take off a few points there. Then you've got, you know, we had a long run at the end. I don't know that fans love super long runs at the end. That always hurts numbers a little bit. Uh, but overall, I, I think that, uh, you know, there was no real surprises uh, when it came to that race. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was – it was Bristol night race. It's, it's very typical of what we've kind of had there in the past. Um, the great thing about at least this short track is there was no shifting, um, which was good. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, we know that this is a very aero, aero dependent race car that is tough when you get behind other cars. Um, you know, and that has to do with the, the, the ratio of horsepower to grip on this car is is quite a bit different than what we had in the previous generation, which was 750 horsepower um, with tires that were a couple inches narrower, right? Or And we've widened the tire, we've killed the horsepower. So it's just, everyone's just got so much grip. Um, and, you know, forget the aero side. The aero has nothing to do with it on the short tracks, as we found. Um, it just has more grip and... Uh, so it makes it uh, really tough to pass. But, you know, I know myself and Kyle Larson got, well, he got a penalty. I got a penalty, which that was a fun little game. Um, I came out of my pit stall, and I'm battling for the lead. And, and those of you saw, we were kind of side by side. Um, I was the last car on pit road on the backstretch. Well, he is coming in because he had to start last because he had a, a poor qualifying effort where his you know, he was dead sideways. He's coming. He's just making the corner to round the corner between the back stretch and the front stretch. And I'm pulling out of my stall. And I usually, I guess my thinking is that I, I usually adhere to whoever's running in front. Like, so when you have a car coming out of a stall or a car coming in, usually the, the higher position guy should get the yield there uh, in spot. But Kyle pretty much had me cleared but I accelerated and I'm like I'm trying to get the lead off of pit road so I'm running tied up against the wall and as I'm doing that I'm gaining more and more up until like I'm up beside him and then they're like well he's about to pit and so I'm like well, I don't want to hit the brakes and to let him in his stall because I'm going to lose a second doing that and I'm I could come off pit road third or fourth at this point so I had to put him the the decision to, hey, he's going to have to check up because he was at the back at that time anyway. We were about to lap him because he was stuck in traffic. Um, but while doing that, <laughs> I sped on pit road, uh, which is such a bonehead move. But So correct me if I'm wrong. You you were caught speeding on pit road because... On of the TV, radius. Right. So you're yeah. too far inside. 
Yeah, which, which NASCAR of, warns us of that. Um, you know, those who don't know, it's they they do timing. They don't actually have a radar gun out there pointing your pit road speed. They don't have a you know police officer there checking all that. Yeah, they just do it off of time. You know, it's, it's a time and distance thing that they do. And if you shortcut a radius, like if, if it's a circle, right, the, the tighter... You're going to go from point A to point B faster. Quicker, right. And so um, where I was running my pit road speed there, uh, I was running my lights correctly, but I kept... I was too low, basically, and uh, and it caused me to speed. So at that point, me and Kyle go to the back of the pack together, and we were coming to the front together um, at that time, but I kind of got caught behind a few cars, and Kyle went by me, and... He was he was one of the first guys to get up top. Him and Ty Gibbs, and they he was blowing to the front really really quickly. So at at that point, I kind of knew that Kyle was going to be one of the toughest competitors that we were going to have to face um, in the evening, and it turned out that way. But uh, so anyway, we both went to the back of the pack, and usually you can't come back from speeding penalties or any penalties nowadays. But there was so early in the race in in a five hundred lap race, we had plenty of time. But um, I thought it was. It you just know, sounded like you kind of knew that you were speeding, or that you knew that the possibility was there. Yeah. You weren't surprised. No, I wasn't surprised. I, I'm never really surprised. It always <laughs> makes me laugh when some of these drivers are like, "No way, I was speeding." Like, of course, like the the numbers don't lie, right? It's you know NASCAR isn't making this up. It's just straight numbers. Um, most of the time, my speed is not. Uh, it's it's I'm accelerating out of my stall. Or something like that. So it's usually just yeah, I'm trying to get up to speed as quick as I can, and then oh, I'm I'm over right. So and then you try to back it down, and or or it's coming to pit lane, green flag pit stop or something. You're trying to get all you can on entry. Boom, you speed there. So um, yeah, it's I hadn't had a speeding penalty in a very very long time. Twitter uh, would not know that. Well, <laughs> it, 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 that's just like a narrative that was set such a long time ago that it just kind of lingers on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, certainly we're, we're not even remotely near the top five or, or I don't even think 10 in speeding penalties. Uh, so, but I'm glad we were able to come back from it. Were that you was cool. concerned at all in the moment? Not really. Like, that's kind of what I'm I getting knew, at. Just because I, I tell you all this all the time. Like I know within 15, 20 laps of the race, like do I have a race winning car or not? Yeah. And I just knew early on that, we did, and I knew that it was early enough that I was going to be able to come back. So from you're it. just making the race more fun for yourself. <laughs> not intentionally, <laughs> not intentionally for sure, but certainly cut down on the laps led that I was I was going to have that night. But um, yeah, it was just just one of those weird, quirky things that that happened. It was interesting because you know I was kind of racing Kyle on pit road there, and, and it kind of just baited me into making a bad decision. Uh, but but yeah, it was. Uh, I look at kind of. You know how this first round has played out. Um, you know, certainly the five car and Kyle's just been super strong every single week. Um, they were a top two car at, at Darlington. Um, certainly a top two car, I think, um, at, at uh, Kansas. And then this weekend they were super strong as well. Uh, they were really fast in practice and. Uh, I think they were just probably a little bit too loose there in qualifying and he, he got sideways a bunch. And um, so, it, you know, they're going to be tough to beat, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I got asked in the media center quite a bit, you know, what about the challenge or, you know, what do you have to do to beat the five car? I'm like, I don't, I don't have to beat the five car right now. If we get to Phoenix together, then certainly – he will be a competitor I have to beat, but I, I feel as though you always have to concentrate on yourself and what can you do to be your best. And I feel like when my team's at my best and probably their team's at their best, like, yeah, we're, it's, we're close. It's, it's very, very close. Now the 19 car, he but, makes it back in. He's going to be, you know, when they're at their so best, the narrative they're, they're all- crazy tough to beat as well. So yeah. it's, um, it, you know, just you never know what can happen and you can't get too far ahead of yourselves because there's six races to go to even put yourself in a position to win a championship. So, you know, who knows what happens this next round? And um, yeah, it's it's shaping up to, you know, you're, you're seeing some of the you know, the cream rise to the top when when Kyle Larson this time of year, he's 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 on it. He's up front and 
the 24 cars ran good all year and they're running pretty good. You know, they've had an okay start to this playoffs. Um, you know, if I kind of handicap it, you know, it's it's certainly, you know, the 5 and 11 are really, really close. And you got kind of the 45, you know, was really strong for the first two. Not as strong at Bristol. Uh, the 24 has just been steady. Uh, I guess it is. And then there's just kind of been everyone else. But you just don't know what happens when we go to Texas. Like who shows up and um, it's just this sport is so week to week. You just never know. And it's so hard to handicap for that reason. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big thing, right? Going to this next round is how much of a wild card it is. You got Texas, which is, you know, pretty straightforward, you would think. But then after that, Talladega and the Roval. So, yeah. Well, I want to, I, I definitely want to talk on a couple guys that did have some great runs at Bristol to, you know, to kind of wrap just the individual race up itself. Uh, Carson Hosvar fantastic run it looks like legacy has turned the corner um unfortunately like for noah right is is, as soon as he got out of the car it the the organization got better do you think that's that's what it is like like all driver Uh, no i don't because i think the 43 i just don't understand how how legacy could flip the switch in a matter of a couple days between races like that um there's just it doesn't take much um there's a home base probably in setup world that they found something. They hit on something at a racetrack, and then that became their home base when they set up setups at other tracks. They, you know, they, it can happen like that, right? Because, again, the parts and pieces are all the same. Um, I, you know, It's doubtful that they're getting any Chevrolet information uh, anymore. Um, so they're having to kind of do this on their own. So... And, you know, the old fashioned way is pinning a piece of paper and these engineers trying to figure out what the right setup is. And it just takes hitting it one time for you to come up with some sort of baseline uh, that that helps you at all racetracks. But I mean, Eric Jones didn't have a very good, you know, race this weekend, but Carson Osvall had, had a great race. So he was running in the top 10 for the most of the night. So yeah. I guess just just credit to him for, for yeah, bringing he's doing the spotlight on great. the team. He, he's he's doing a great job. Um, yeah, you can't say enough about, you know, we gave him a lot of for a long time in the truck series, kind of making some really boneheaded decisions, but he's, he's certainly growing up quickly and he's, uh, showing that, uh, he can compete at the highest level. Um, him, Ricky Stenhouse, although eliminated, um, you know, I guess we can kind of go into this, right? I want to talk a little bit about all the, the four drivers that are eliminated, um, first I'll start with Ricky. Great job by that team. Um, it was going to be an uphill battle for him to make it in the next round, but they did their jobs. Like they, they really have done their jobs. Ricky is, uh, ran the top 10 for, for a lot of the night as well. Finished 10th. Um, I think that that team really made big gains this season in their performance. Um, and, you know, certainly they're going to look to, I think I heard them say that, you know, being top 12 in overall points before the end of the year is their goal. I think they can achieve that as long as they keep on this steady Eddie uh, type of runs that they're doing. Uh, Michael McDowell, I, I can't sing his praises and his team's praises enough because in a year where, you know, everyone seems to want to blame Ford for every, you know, the, Logano not running well, SHR is not running well. Like, well, the six, the 17, and the 34 are in the top 15 pretty much every week. I mean, they are running extremely well. And McDowell had, in my mind, one of the best oval races he's had in his career. Um, he was in the top five pretty much all day, and he gave himself a chance. I mean, if there's a yellow at some point in that last hundred, I think that 34 team probably takes two tires and then good freaking luck trying to get around them. I think it would have been interesting for sure. But they have just performed great. McDowell has stepped up his game. Um, they're not just qualifying well. They're practicing well. They're racing well. They're legit. We can't, you know, we can't just, ignore the fact that it's it's a weekly thing now and 
even though they were eliminated, you know, they deserve a ton of credit this year in, in what has been a, you know, a down year for the manufacturer. Yeah, it's also telling that in a race that that team needed to come into and compete for a win, they did, they did. just that, right? They showed Absolutely. up with a car that could win the race. If certainly, their way. certainly they perform better than I would expect or anyone else. Like, hey, they're they got a win or or it's over, right? Well, they showed up like and they showed out, and so they gave themselves an opportunity. If cautions or things fell differently, you you just never know. They they nearly did it. So, um, so that wraps them up. Now you look at the you know the two bigger name guys that are past champions of our sport that were eliminated in Logano and Harvick. I guess Logano first. Um, he kind of said in his interview that like, you know, we we were running crappy and we got caught up in a wreck because we were running crappy. Uh, I think he finished thirty fourth. He was I think he was running thirty first when he got. Yeah, he was running thirty first. Certainly at some point of the in the first stage. Uh, before he got wrecked, um, that's just not what you expect out of Penske Racing or Joey Logano. Certainly, if they're running like that, um, there's something off. There, it's just not some accident. Uh, they've performed really well at that track in years past. You can say that for Harvick as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, as a competitor, I'm like. Man, I'm I'm glad Logano's eliminated because he's just it doesn't matter how fast his car is, he he finds a way. He grinds his way. Very similar to Harvick. They find a way to just finish better than they run most weeks, right? So um, you know, they still, you know, were part of like will he make it, will it not, because of the way the nineteen and the twenty-three were running, but it just, I was really surprised to see them running so bad. Um, he was in the way at the beginning of the race. Uh, I think they took two tires at some point and they got ping ponged around like it was just bad. They, they, this car was all over the place and it looked hard to control for my seat. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is probably the first round. First time Logano has been eliminated. It's the first time the previous champion has ever been knocked out in mm. the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and you know, I they won one race, I think, early in the season. I, I don't know where, but they just they just weren't themselves. You know, I I don't know what it is. Um, you know, when you look at kind of the resources that that Penske's got versus like someone like a McDowell's team. Um, you know, it's hard to blame it probably on bodies or, you know, maybe it's a simulation. I, I don't know. It's It's got to be something that's kind of off there. Uh, but, you, you know, this sport is so ebbs and flows. You just never know. They could show up, you know, in next week or start next year and just be on fire. So um, they certainly, it's it's not Joey for sure. It's not Harvick for sure. These These are champions of our sport. Uh, but surprising to see them eliminated. Yeah. You won I mean, at Atlanta. Is, Atlanta. Yeah, super speedway, right? So This is also a product of what we talked about going into this race, though, is that something was going to happen to somebody above that cut line. Yep. And and this was just it. Because Joey didn't finish that many points out of... The, the, he didn't finish that yeah. many points below the cut line. Had he had an average day, he would have Yeah, but he, he, ran, he ran like at Kansas. Like, he was bad. He finished good, but... He was running bad there too. Right. Well, you you know those races put you in this position where if something right. does happen to you, you're gonna. And I mean, they didn't win as many stages or races. As, you know, they didn't come into the playoffs with as many bonus points as they had in years past, right? So they couldn't afford races like this. And now, had he just done his thing, right, and not got caught up in wrecks at Bristol, yeah, he probably still makes it. But again, was he going to be a true threat to go win a championship? Not likely. Not likely this year. Um, so, you know, that, that that's tough, but th that team will bounce back. Uh, now, for Harvick, uh, certainly this is not how he wanted to, you know, end his, you know, playoff career. Um, he summed it up with his interview as well. He's just like, man, I mean, what do we really expect? We've, we've been marginal at best all year. I will... I'll say, though, that 
it still can't be understated. And this was a very uncharacteristic Rodney Childers race car. Um, I, I saw Rodney's tweet about, you know, I just don't understand. This is the same car, same setup from last year. Um, I understand all that. But typically in these situations, um, and well, let's just say 90% of the weeks or maybe even higher, the four car carries the SHR banner as far as performance, right? They are, you look at their results and it's like Harvick's blank and the rest of the three are way back here. And it was just the opposite this week, which is really, really unique, um, you know, I think that he got in, you know, I was kind of watching the race back. It looked like he got on the wall a few times. Did that knock a toe link or something out of sorts? You just don't know. But even in practice, they were slow. Um, they just they just had a knife to a gunfight, and, and it just was a very dull knife. And um, it's just that was very out of characteristic for that team. It's it's unique because, I mean, you look at Darlington, they, they had, you know, a top, you know, three car at Darlington, it looked like. So, man, that's this sport. That's this format where you got to just put it all together. And, and again, he's the same boat as Logano. Just didn't have the playoff points he's had in the years past. Um, you know, Kevin didn't seem too shocked when he did his interviews. Rodney was more shocked. I was probably on Rodney's side being more shocked that, you know, they didn't perform better. But, Man, you know, he's he's still just like one of the best drivers. Um, he's proves he proves it week in, week out. Rodney proves it with what he brings to the racetrack week in, week out. Um, it just this happens in sports. Sometimes you just uh sometimes you just miss it and and they miss it this weekend and uh you know they were the the points battle was tight throughout the entire night, but their tough position was they didn't even have an opportunity to try something different or do a different strategy because cautions didn't fall that way. Even when he's three or four points behind, you're like, oh, he he can just go get that. He couldn't because he was on his own lap. Um, there was never three or four points right there for him to get. Uh, he just never was in contention. He was more just on the defense the entire night. It's interesting, though, that when you look back at these – three race seasons in, in the round of the playoffs, right? Like you look at Darlington and Kevin Harvick, where if he doesn't have that situation where the caution comes out right in front of him and he's on pit road, right? Maybe he finishes in the top five or something. And then it doesn't really matter where he finishes at Bristol at that point, because he would have had the points to advance. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what it is. And I think that it, you know, it's good that we reward the guys that, have, you know, like Truex that while he's had a lackluster first round he deserved the opportunity to move on because he performed great for 26 races right so um that's the good thing about this is that it, it does does reward what you do for the first uh handful of races so you know that kind of wraps up all those guys is coke zero sugar the best coke ever i know that's a bold question but it's got that irresistible taste to back it up well when you've got an irresistible match like zero sugar and zero calories Something sensational is bound to happen. It's like when me and my co-host Jared team up to make a podcast. It's too bad you can't taste with your ears because Coke Zero Sugar tastes so amazing, it's hard to put it into words. But hey, that's my job, at least on Mondays. You have to taste it for yourself. Coke Zero Sugar, the best Coke ever. What does this mean now for the guys that do advance? Like yeah. the Truex, right? Yep. Goes right back to the top of the point. Goes standards. right back to the top. Uh, you know, you're giving you're giving uh, Goliath a, another another life. So uh, they're a team that you know. Again, when they win, they win big. Uh, usually, nobody's even close uh, when they hit it right. Like it's just they can they can really be a juggernaut uh, some weeks. And and so um, I look at the list and you know my original final four is still kind of one two three four. Um, I guess I want to know from you. Interesting what I want to maybe you and Travis can let let's take out the tell me someone that is in this uh the the next eight, right? Yeah. Who would yep. be the a surprise final four? Let's just say 
things don't go as everyone plans, right? Where it's Byron, Truex, Hamlin, Larson. Give me someone that surprisingly will make it to the final four. I like Reddick's chances now a lot. I, I'm hearing that quite a bit. Um, understandable. He, he ran top three the first two. Uh, he ran mediocre uh, kind of at best last my, night. My thing is, is with this next round, right? You got to go to Texas and have a good day. If you can go to Texas and have a good day and get out of Talladega unscathed mm-hmm. and then go to the Roval and be competent, mm-hmm. which drivers then are most likely to win at those final three tracks before going to Phoenix, which is where I like Tyler Reddick. Yeah. Like at Homestead. I'm going to go Chris Buescher. I, I just, he's so solid right now. He's finding, he's putting himself in the top five most weeks. And, and if any one of us four, you know, have a bad round or two, which is very possible, you know, the Bushers could, you know, the, the Kozlowski's, like they're they're fast enough, they 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 have enough speed to make it to the final four. Um, so I look at those. I mean, you know, Blaney's will have an uphill battle just because of. I mean, he's fighting the same thing Logano's fighting, right? And so I think that you know, Blaney's will have an uphill battle. It's not impossible. You know, he's. He's gifted. He's good enough. It's just, it's going to be uphill. Chastain hasn't shown the speed really the last, I don't know. You you can say Nashville, he definitely was the best car there. Um, But other than that, I, I just haven't seen the speed out of the one. You see it in glimpses a little bit during practice. You see it a couple runs during the race here and there, but... They certainly don't have this all-out speed. I yeah. do. Think to me, it's got to be a guy that's showing you that they can win a race. You would say Busher then. Since his win in Nashville, Ross has only had two top ten finishes. Yeah. You know, but I will say this about Ross: he is racing way, way smarter. He's understanding that he doesn't have the race-winning speed, so he's the way he's managing the races is what's keeping him alive. Most weeks. So I like the old Ross better though. <laughs> yeah, you did. I, I didn't. Um, I, I just think that, you know, sometimes this is a point in your race team where you're thinking, well, if I don't have race winning speed this week, how am I going to get the best finish I can get? And I think he's doing that right now. And he's just trying to manage um, this wave until it, hopefully comes back around and they they gain speed right so because there's ebbs and flows like it's just you're not the fastest car every week and you're not going to stay the fastest car every week for the next 10 weeks there's going to be waves of other cars that start to hit things that that show up and you know i think he's just riding this downward wave until it goes back up yeah what about bubba this was a big big night for bubba it was and you know certainly he had a some bad luck last week at Kansas, but uh, great resilient job by that team to point their way in. And he did his job the very first stage. That was the key, right? I mean, he, I he mean, ran the first first day, right to qualify. First well. day, yeah, good point. It, it came. It's qualifying. It's everything, right? That is what where you get the stage points from is qualifying. Well, he did that. Uh, I finished P three in the first stage, and then he just. He managed the race after that. The whole race team did. They did a great job of um, kind of educating him on the situation. Here's what we got. And, uh, you know, they managed it perfectly, right? They just didn't put themselves in trouble, didn't take any unnecessary risk. And now he moves on to the round of 12. So uh, it's great for, you know, personally for me, it was a fabulous night, right? I won my two cars. Now go to to the round of 12. Um Great night. Couldn't have been much better for me. How aware are you of Bubba's situation when you have your own race to manage? Uh, the only time I can see is during caution. So there's a big screen there at Bristol. And, you know, under caution, as soon as we get to the straightaway, I'm I'm turning my, poking my head, looking through the window net, looking at the standing. So I know. Now, I don't know the threat of how far can they go forward, how far, you know, I don't know what lap they're on. I don't know any of that stuff. 
I just kind of am looking at that constantly. And I knew that throughout the race it was really tight. But as you saw, I mean, I didn't hesitate to lap the 45, 23 or anyone. I'm, I'm just – I I've gotten the bad end of these races so much. I'm I'm wide open. Like I'm just I want to lap as many cars as I can and win for my team. What I'm curious is they mentioned it on the broadcast is that going into this race, um, the 23 team came up with the math that they needed to score something like 55 points, and history tells them that that would mm-hmm. be good enough to to advance in, to the next round. Were you are you a part of that discussion mm-hmm. midweek as like okay here's what y'all need to do to advance or are you not really in that? You know I kind of leave it up to those guys. They've got some really good engineers and guys that work on the numbers there quite a bit. Uh, yes, there's some guidance uh, from me on that, but they do a, a, a great job of preparing the drivers uh, every single week with all the information they need. And really, you just kind of look at past history. I mean, we we spoke about it last week on the podcast that somebody was going to stumble. You had all these guys that were plus 18, plus 12, plus 15. Someone was going to have a bad race. Now, we didn't know that Harvick was going to finish where he did. We didn't know Logano was going to get a wreck. But we knew someone was going to stub their toe, and that was going to allow that team an opportunity to point their way in, even though they were – 18, 19 points back. Yeah. MJ well, seemed to have a good night. He did. Yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of which, man, I was such a fanboy over Tyler Reddick's suit, the uh, J Balvin suit. I, I told uh, our president, Steve Letta, um, make sure I get that suit whenever he's done racing it uh, this evening. So uh, that was super cool collaboration. The car was just sick. It just was, it looked so good. You couldn't really tell on TV, but it had this elephant print like deep down in the, in the, the kind of the, the tan color yeah. of it. It's like those basketball jerseys that yeah, have it was very like faint. A, yeah. But it was the details that they had on it was cool. And to have, you know, uh, Jose come, it was, it was so cool. Yeah, it was a it was a cool night for for Tyler and and that yep. whole partnership. Yeah, and you saw you know Michael to the very end was sitting on the pit box and he's right behind poor Booty. He's <laughs> you know he's nervous anyway of what's going on out there. He's got MJ talking in his ear, you know, asking questions, and you know that just shows the the passion that it, Michael has uh, for for this race team and and the people that we've hired and. Uh, it's great. It goes a long way, certainly yeah. to our employees, to see how passionate Michael is about uh, the performance of the race team, and glad we're doing a great job for him. Speaking of mentally strong, I mean, Booty's got to sit up there, call this race, coach Bubba, right? Keep him level, all while Michael Jordan's sitting right. behind him, like toughest job in the industry. <laughs> <him a> <laughs> yeah, Booty's got the toughest job in the industry, no doubt. Uh, most of that is ha- trying to get him above his head. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been great that. I'm really happy with where that team's at, and obviously they've already exceeded goals. Now you just just keep digging. Just keep putting solid runs together. The round of 12 will be no different than the round of 16. There will still be guys that stub their toe that uh, have bad days. And if you can put together two, you know, you're gonna, he's, gonna, he's at a, such a point disadvantage, he's going to need to finish top, 15 every week be top 10 two out of the next two out of the three and he's probably going to have to get 30 stage points 25 30 stage points during this round to uh to make it which is all feasible they can do it especially with the tracks you know coming up so we'll see how it goes but i think we're shaping up for a great round um in the playoffs for all the drivers and i'm excited how see how it turns out for everyone yeah, what's your expectations these next three races? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. We tested at the Texas Motor Speedway during the summer uh, on a new tire there. The 11 team did. So I think that, you know, we should be pretty good when we go there. Talladega, who knows? Roval, who knows, right? So we just hope we put together some solid races here in the next few weeks. And you don't want to go into the Roval sweating points. That's just, we want to get the work done early in this round that's my mindset yeah someone's gonna sleep really well if one of these 12 playoff drivers wins Texas. absolutely yeah this is a you're gonna have a good three this weeks. is an important race no doubt for, for especially for the you know guys that are 
you know, the probably me through Reddick, right? It's we're all kind of we're in a good point spot, you know, not great, but it's everyone. Everyone really is. This is an important event for those competing in the round of twelve because you just you can't count on. Well, we're going to be great at Talladega. We can be great and get taken out. You know, the Roval. Now they've added the stage cautions there. Who who knows, right? He get taken out and restart there. So you just never know. The post race reaction from the fans. Would you? Uh, your video uh, seemed to go pretty viral this uh, past twenty four hours. Yeah. What'd you make of? Yeah, that? Jared did a good job with that edit for hey. sure. <laughs> he did. He did great. Um, you know. This just goes right into my wheelhouse. I, I don't think people knew that I love banter. I love talking shit. I do. And now I'm just running well enough where I can back it up. <laughs> like, so I, you know, this, I'm feeding off of it. It's great because I get to capitalize on that. Yeah. I, I'm feeding off of it because I, I'm proving so many people wrong. And it's like, all I want to do at this point is, uh, you know, if you root against me, I just want to make these next seven weeks a living hell for you. I do. I just, I just, I, I, I want to live in the misery that of you watching us run well. Like, uh, so right now, am I feeding into it the villain stuff? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Because I, I've got some confidence. Uh, our team is running well and you know it just seems like now you know Jared has done some work on social media that's fed these people and the booze and like you just keep the they're getting louder and they're getting more but we're also getting more cheers than ever so it's like it's been a fun case study because these these (laughs) pictures of you doing a burnout or anything on the front stretch and then the fans behind, right? It's cool to see their reaction. And the last two weeks, the Darlington Xfinity win and then the Pocono win, middle fingers galore, right? But there's not that at Bristol. There's more like, woohoo, Denny mm-hmm. won, or I acknowledge that Denny won and just kicked everyone's ass. Well, what I've noticed on social media is that many people that I see in the comments are like, I just boo because the person next to me is doing it. So that's I what just- my theory is. There, you don't have any more haters. The haters are just more loud but you are bringing in more fans of you if that makes sense i just think you're taking Uh, that neutral crowd that really didn't care and you're either pulling more of them this way or you're pushing more of them that way and does it matter which way you're pushing or pulling them it's good i i this is from the bottom of my heart truth is that i'm not trying to get more fans but i i love the back and forth i mean you've been around me anybody that plays in my basketball league or golf league I love talking to people. I, you know, I just do. It's fun for me. And it's, to me, there's a a mental aspect of it that I'm just self-motivating myself through doing it. And it's, and it continues to just make me better. Right. And so, um, I don't know. I'm just in a good spot right now. And, uh, it's it's been fun. This yeah. whole thing's been fun, and certainly this kind of all started um, around kind of the, the Pocono thing with Larson. But it's just it's taken on a a mind of its own at this point, and uh, you know we're just having fun with it. Hopefully, we can just keep it going, right? Because obviously, uh, you know the first thing uh, someone that you know isn't rooting for you to do, they're just waiting for one week to like for you to not do well. So like, ah, see, I told you, I told you, you suck. And, you know, but, you know, you don't, where are you at? I don't see you this week. Like, they've got that can't tweet. have it both ways. They've got so. that tweet saved in their drafts already. <laughs> know, ready to ready, right? But, hey, I, I, I deserve it because I'm not afraid to tell them <laughs> off too, right? Yeah. Like, so it's. Travis, I'm. It's fun. I'm rooting for a championship so hard. Just the, like, the social ideas that are out there. Of what can be done would be so much fun. Jared, there's so much work to be done. I, I, it's, you know, not for me. I know. I'm just, I'm just long for the ride. That, you know, that's what actually adds more pressure because (laughs) as well as we're running, like, uh, well, hey, you know, I I can't jump towards Phoenix and start thinking about how I'm going to win this championship at Phoenix. Like, I got six weeks of work left. Like, there's a lot of this process that is still yet to be done. 
And but again, I've said many times this year in the, in the press and the media before this playoff, this year just feels different. Well, that's the interesting thing is the reporters keep talking about Phoenix. They were just this week talking about Truex might not making it past this round yet. We're still like all these reporters want to just jump to Phoenix and just forget about these races that they have. Well, I, I don't know what the odds would be, but I'm smart enough to understand them that right now, if let's just pretend it's let's just take the top four, the Byron Truex, Hamlin, Larson, and uh, the odds maker at Phoenix would probably make me the third favorite just because of historically, you know, Larson's won the championship there. Truex's uh, record at Phoenix is great. I don't, it's easy to get caught up in what's this week's results or last week's and, oh, Truex is not what he was. Yeah, bullshit. Like at any point, you just, some some tracks fit guys and you just, you just, you just don't know. And, and I think that we would, we would be an underdog right now, I think, going into, to uh, Phoenix. Now that's not the mindset I'm going to have. I, I think that again, like I say, when we're at our best, like good luck. I feel like we're really good, but um, it's going to be a fun seven weeks. Yeah, as you said, you can't you can't jump right to it, right? If I was a driver, these these next three weeks would scare the yeah, out of me. Yeah, no doubt. I love the round of eight, man. I just hope I get there. Like those tracks are right in the wheelhouse. Uh, but yeah, it's you got to get there first. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. Tried to ask Junior, but his answers were lame. And with DBC, it was more of the same. Now we're calling on you, cause you're our only hope. This ain't the race track, so maybe you won't choke. Dare What do you do with the checkered flags from your wins that are given you on the front stretch? Checkered flags usually go to my dad. Um, he always he's asked for many years for me to bring bring the checkered flags back. Um, I only have two. Though I, I gave the one back at, uh, might have been Kansas. Yeah, I think Kansas side. No, it was Darlington. I gave that flag back. Uh, so I have to order a replica. But but yeah, it's um, they usually go to my parents' house when they frame them. I had something real quick. I don't know if you saw on, on my story last night. It was a good night because you won and there was the victory lane and all that fun stuff. But... Um, you came around and did a burnout on the front stretch and then you went to the back stretch and I was like, Oh, shit, you're going to the back stretch because you the pit crews back there. Right. So then I decide to book it from the front stretch and I do this a lot and I realize I shouldn't do it. But when I'm approaching the pit wall, I kind of just jump, going to touch the pit wall and, and bounce off. Right. So I'm approaching the pit wall. I leave my feet. The 19 crew guys are packing the pit box and a guy comes out from behind the pit box, makes me do a double take. I trip over the wall. Down I go. Oh, Cam man. Camera lands face first. Broke the, the front. Are of you front. me? Yeah. Yeah. There is a there is a. Oh, filter. I don't care about that. I would just pay anything to see face plant. Well, you, there was at least two people that saw it. Kellen being one. So well, if you see Kellen at the shop. On I don't Tuesday, care about that. I need to get the security. <laughs> I want to get the security footage from the track. To f- out, somebody out there, did yeah, do you have a video? I'm asking the citizens of Bristol County. Please tell me you have a video of Jared busting his ass over the wall. If someone's got a video of you doing a burnout on the front stretch, they probably it's probably on there. Back stretch. No, this was on the front stretch. You burned out on the front stretch, then you went around. You gotta the back find stretch. it. Is gotta there, find are there cameras it. on the pit box? Ah, uh, there used to be. I don't know if there is anymore, but I'm I'm not sure. Well, if you can't find a video, ask Kellen. Is on it Tuesday. during the burnout? Yes. So anyone with a view of the burnout, but then where were you at when he fell? So I want to make sure we try to get this video. We're gonna there, we're gonna SCI this. Okay. Well, or CSI. There's a clip, on, there's a clip of you on Twitter. You're sorry, interview- you're laughing over there. There's a clip of you on Twitter. I'm in the background. So we just need to get an extended version. Of Where that. did like, you fall? What pit box? The 19. The 19. Box. Okay. Yes. All right. If you have a video of the burnout and a view of the 19 pit box, 
please, I'm asking social media, help us find Jared busting his head. Yeah. If not, and breaking ask his camera. your 19 crew. Ask the 19 crew guys. They'll probably awesome. recount it for you. Perfect. A uh, reminder, guys, to rate, review, and follow wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to subscribe to Dirty Mo Media on YouTube. Each week, we put up a couple of clips, and then on Friday, uh, the full video version of the podcast is up. And then also a reminder, Las Vegas, we've got mm-hmm. the Dirty Mo experience. You've been talking about that quite a bit. I Yeah, i just trying to get everyone to go out there, support Dale Jr. and all of his, uh, his podcast guys. Um, wh- where are they going to be? Uh, it'll be at the Westgate, uh, Westgate, Las Vegas Resort and Casino. And if you aren't going to go there, you're not going to be able to see it because we're not podcasting this. Ah, because like this it. Is Must be present. No filter. Like, this is... Ooh. Yeah. So These people that guys. complain about hearing bleeps when we bleep out cuss words on the podcast, <laughs> go to the Vegas show because it's unfiltered. DBC unfiltered is going to be... Uh, yeah. That'll be a, something to see. I don't think they complain. They're more like, oh, he just missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, go check but that go out. But go to uh, dirtymomedia.com slash live for tickets. Right on. We'll check those guys out. And uh, anything else you got, Jared? Uh, just one more review here. This one's from Corona Glenn. I love your NASCAR 101 feature. I look forward to it every week now, and I love hearing the little nuances of NASCAR. So that, I I'm appreciate sure that. That'll be back next week. Yeah, Glenn. yeah. We I That's something we started new. And actually, I've had a couple people tell us that, you know, really appreciate the 101 stuff because... I don't know all the stuff that you're talking about, and it's so easy for me to just assume everyone knows the lingo and the inside information that I'm talking about. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to simplify this stuff pretty often for you guys as much as we can in the NASCAR 101 feature uh, that's also sponsored by the Birch Gold Group. Don't forget them. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for the review. Kind of leave us another uh, if you're out there listening, and we'll read them here on air. Check out Dirty Mode Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.